but your desk moves up and down. Is that an yeah. issue? Uh, no, no, no. It's not an issue because I mount everything to the desk, not not to like to the wall or anything. Got it. So it moves with it. Okay, if that makes sense. Like, watch. Wait, check this out. This is sometimes how I come into meetings. Just wait. Okay. Welcome to the meeting. No, this is so weird. <laughs> Your head's just slowly rising up from the bottom of the screen. Yeah, I just appear. I just Well, yeah. you don't you don't appear. It's like if you were a PowerPoint, it would be the slowest. <laughs> the slowest like fly in. Yeah, yeah, ever. yeah. I fly in from the bottom. Yeah. Real slow. <laughs> You are listening to Fixing Faxes, a podcast on the journey of building a digital health startup with your hosts, myself, Angela Hopke. And I'm Jonathan Bowers. I just got back from taking Zach to an eye specialist, Mm -hmm. a referral Mm -hmm. that we had um, from our GP, uh, our family doctor. I'm not sure what the distinction is between a GP and a family doctor. There is a very clear distinction between GPs and family care providers, but that is a topic for another time. Okay. Anyways, so Zach had a bit of a traumatic birth and suffered some uh, nerve damage to his eyes. Mm -hmm. And so for the first uh, many months of his existence, his eye didn't open quite correctly. And that was concerning. And so we got referred to a specialist now, the specialist did not let us know that they would much rather us go to a different specialist because that specialist is capable of doing the actual surgery that might be necessary. Right. Didn't phone us, didn't phone the GP. Mm-hmm. So we just phoned them many, many months later asking, what's the status of this? And they said, oh, it needs to go to a different specialist. And so we then had to go back to the GP. The GP sent the referral to the new specialist. and. Anyways, it was kind of a pain in the butt. And the only reason we caught it was because Julie phoned the specialist office and said, I thought wow. I would have heard from you by now. Right. And it, nothing nothing happened. Anyways, like medically, everything's fine. His vision is perfect. Yay. I'm not perfect. It's it's good. good. He has, he good. has what's called uh, Horner's. <clears throat> I'm saying this right. Horner's syndrome. Okay. Which apparently causes people to sweat <laughs> differently. Interesting. <laughs> yeah, I know um, nothing but, about this. Yeah, but I don't okay. really know much about it either. A friend a friend of ours has it and uh, as an adult like we we had no idea. But anyways, yeah, the the eyelid has recovered well. It, it's in, Good. it's very difficult to see that one eyelid doesn't open quite as much as the other. It's more apparent when we look at him in a mirror because <laughs> it's, right. it's the symmetry's uh, <laughs> wrong. Yeah. Um, and his pupil, his pupil is performing well. There's no, Yay. there's no damage in the back. He's not going to need glasses. So we're pretty excited. But I, it, it made me think of this whole clinic journey and referrals mm-hmm. and having to manage, having to manage it ourselves to some degree to make sure that it was happening. As a father or parent of a patient, yeah, yeah, this is a tough one. So you. So your um, primary care provider sent a referral. They sent a referral to a specialist that it was probably from the primary care provider's perspective, an an appropriate specialist to send it to. And it is the, it is actually, so we went to the, to the, to the specialist that can do the surgeries. We've Mm -hmm. gone to see them twice. And then at the end, he's like, there's no need for surgery. Let's send you back to the original specialist because that's a much easier drive. And so then we've been going, and everyone's been great. It's just the, just the logistics piece that has sucked. So everyone made the right, like it was, yeah, it was the right referral to make. 
Yeah, um, it was. So their primary care provider made, from their judgment, the best call to a specialist that they could have made. Yay. That communication, though, from when that specialist received that referral and saw that referral as possibly appropriate, but given the 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 circumstances with Zach um, thinking that maybe there would uh, a surgery would be needed, that that referral then should have been either forwarded to the surgeon with the indication back to your primary care provider that this referral has been forwarded to the surgeon. Or that specialist should have gone back to your primary care provider and said, actually, in review of this patient, we think uh, they're better off to be seen by a surgeon first, just to maybe rule that out, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. which was eventually what happened. Yeah. Yikes. And how long? How long did you wait? Oh, I don't remember. It was, I want to say a month or two. So we're talking about, and how old is Zach? How old was he? Oh yeah. my goodness. Oh, he would have been only. I have no idea. One thing I've learned is that having a child, you don't oh. remember anything about oh. anything. Well, that's true. Welcome, <laughs> welcome, welcome to parenthood. <laughs> um, he was quite, I mean, he was quite young when we took him the first time. Yep. So a baby. Yeah. Oh yeah. A baby. I mean, he's not even two now. He's, yeah. he's under two. And this has, we've done this for, we've gone five times, I think, to the, to the, the different specialists and each with like several months in between. So. Yes. Which that part is pr- pretty typical, right? Yeah. The, that yeah. follow-up piece. But that initial piece, had you guys not phoned, what do you think would have happened? Honestly, I'm not sure. I think it would have just go- I think it would have just gone on forever and we would have eventually phoned and been like, what the heck? Like I thought yeah. we were supposed to have an appointment. Right. Or the next time maybe that Zach went to the primary care provider on an like an annual check or something, you might have mentioned it. Oh, by the way, we haven't really heard back from that eye specialist yet. Yeah, I think I think the longest it would have taken was yeah, it would have been three months because wow. it would have been the next checkup, which would have which would have happened three or six months later with our with our primary care provider. And so then once yeah. you once you got the referral to the right place and with the surgeon, how quickly did you guys kind of see? Yeah. Well, it involves some try some driving, so it was yeah. sort of a little bit half on us, half on them. Yeah, yeah. Um, they were. They were quite busy because it was at Children's. We had to go to Children's. Yeah, yeah. And the first time was pre-COVID. The second time was no, I think the second time was pre-COVID as well. Mm-hmm. They had, but they had a nor. There was a there was a Norwalk outbreak oh, or some shoot. other outbreak. Yeah, GI uh, outbreak. It, yeah. yeah. Uh, so we had to be careful. I, I honestly, I don't remember what the weight okay. was. Not uh, that's yeah. Yeah, that's okay. I was just trying to. Trying to draw a line between, you know, when you wait three months to hear back and on a referral that was supposed to be sent somewhere in that time frame, you'd, you could have possibly already have been seen by the more appropriate provider. So, yeah. Jonathan, I am sorry that you guys had such a... Well, the, I mean, the nice thing is that there it was all just looking like there was nothing for us to do. Mm-hmm. So he has recovered without any interventions. They just were doing checks. Thank goodness. Yeah. Yay. So, so it, I mean, end it result, it would up. have it would have ended in the same in the same place. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's not always more the case. By luck, because he's that's just the circumstance that he's in. He doesn't have 
enough damage that it needs any interventions at all. Mm-hmm. First-hand experience. And that's all because of a referral. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about what would happen if they were using Clinact. <laughs> well, yeah, sure. I mean, no. like that feels a little, that feels a little like let's plug the product. Um, but I'm but that is joking. what that is what we're trying to solve. <laughs> I think if there was an easy way to so so what I was trying to get is the primary care provider sent it through based on the information a, a correct referral. What happened on the other end is because they're a specialist, they have a, a, a specialist eye looking at it. They were able to say, oh, you know, it probably shouldn't go to us. It should go to someone else. That's where that commun- that's a, that's the, the particular point where the communication broke down back. Really, uh, what typically happens with, you know, the faxed referrals is that the specialist office then has to phone the primary care provider and say, exactly what we just talked about. Mm-hmm. Yes, this is a, is a good referral. We've reviewed it and we think that you should go to Dr. So-and-so, which is down in the lower mainland and please resend the referral down there. That That's the communication that didn't, didn't happen because there wasn't a simple way to decline or reject that referral with a reason. Mm-hmm. Had there been a really simple way, because it probably just got lost in the, in the amount of phone calls that they had to, they had to make probably just forgot to phone your primary care provider back. That's the sense that we got. Like it 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 moved very quickly once we phoned, but it, it felt like it was sitting there, but like under a pile of a bunch of other stuff. Under a pile of the all, this is my to-do pile. It's, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that simple, just that simple communication with a rejection or, and there was no way for your primary care provider to have an easy way to follow up on that, to track that referral was it was it received was it accepted those are just really two simple things that your primary care provider needs to know that they weren't able to with faxes you just you can't check up on those things i'm not going to uh, plug clinect but uh, well no Clinect, i like clinect I, I does solve those <laughs> we can plug clinect like that's i just i wanted to share that and and i guess i'm sort of looking at these notes sort of wondering like okay like let's talk about this in the context of referrals and maybe it's unrelated um, no, I don't think it is because so let's talk about what could like, maybe we'll kind of segue into what could have happened if it was a lost referral and what is happening to our system with lost referrals. And let's talk about the fact that there is lost referrals, first of all, like Zach, Zach's referral wasn't lost, but you didn't know that nobody knew that because there was no action done on it. And there is this this deluge of, of lost referrals that are happening out there. Yes, fax machines probably work 99% of the time. And so where do these people end up? Or in your case, let's say you waited um, and it was sitting in, in somebody's to-do pile and that got worse, mm-hmm. right? And so then there's this, the, so there's a few things that happen from this is either you phone, like thank goodness Julie did, and and but that's on the patient, or you end up getting worse and you end up in the emergency department. Now, this is a huge issue with lost referrals ending up in the emergency department, because guess what? You can get a consult with a specialist in the emergency department that you've probably been waiting for a long time because either A, your referral was lost, or B, nobody's communicated wait times to you or even let you understand that they do have that referral and that, you know, you are in, you're on a wait list. Right. So like, 
So even the understanding of, hey, we got your referral, it's accepted. And, you know, we are just waiting to book you a consult is possibly enough for you to, to, to find the ease, you know, worries and, 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 and things like that. But if you don't have that and you're too scared to phone, then, then what happens? Either you end up back in your primary care provider's office with a more acute condition or you end up in the emergency department. And they Mm -hmm. do, they, they are saying that the patients coming through the emergency department are due to, they have no idea where they're, I was supposed to see a specialist, but I never heard. Yeah. That just seems it's so preventable. So preventable, right? So preventable. And, 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 and let's be very clear. An emergency visit is a huge price tag for, for in, in public health care. Right. Like an emergency room visit comes with a price tag and it is far higher than anything else that we're talking about with consults and things like that, because the, the resources in the emergency department are significant compared right. to yeah. anywhere else besides, you know, operating rooms and ICUs. Right. Right. So there's, you know, there's, there's that, that fiscal piece too. And I don't want to, huh. I don't want to drop it down to like money, but by referrals being lost in the system end up to be far more expensive from a public uh, payer perspective than, you know, just actually handling referrals in a transparent and efficient way. Hmm. Where do these people end up? Well, they end up hopefully in not worse condition and back in their primary care provider's office or phoning or whatever. But in a lot of cases, they'll just give up on the system and head to the emergency department. Yeah. I mean, like it just, it feels like there's a lot, it felt like an one, something that shouldn't have been our job to do, like to have to follow up and make sure that the appointment is getting booked. Cause I mean, it it involves travel regardless, right? It was either mm-hmm. travel one way or travel another way. And so we just needed to plan for it. And whether it happened that week or two weeks from now didn't really matter. We just needed to plan our plan our travels and our stay because we knew we were going to have to spend the night. And so like, okay, well, we haven't heard. Let's phone because we're trying to book travel and trying to book travel around some other things. But why, you know, why is that our job to do that? And and, and also like, we don't know that that's our job. <laughs> You've never like, been no one told. Said, hey, no one Jonathan. said, you need to phone and follow up. And even, even when we left the, the most recent appointment, they said, okay, they need to like the, the doctor says, yeah, he's looking really good. Let's see him at this, at this time. I can't remember what the time was. And we're like, okay. And then he wrote some things down in the computer and we thought, okay, is that it? Is that what we do? And then we left, we left the room. And so we like, okay, well, let's go check with the front. And so we went to the front and she said, no, you have to go and get re-referred because it's going to be too long. And the doctor, the specialist didn't tell us that. And he also didn't tell us to go check in with the front. So what would have happened if we had just left? Because there's, there was no, like, there was no clear Direction. like next step for us to do. Like, what do we do now? It felt like it was all handled. Like they'll just call us and set up an appointment for the, you know, after the six months or a year, I can't remember when we're supposed mm-hmm. to bring him back. But that's not, that doesn't seem to be what was going to happen. We actually needed to take that back to our GP to have him do the referral to, to send a new referral because it, it expires. I don't understand why would it expire? Like, why doesn't a referral expire? 
and everything's so confusing. And why is it our job to do this? Like, why doesn't the system just handle this? Why it's just all in the computer already. Like, why can't you just set a reminder like I do in my calendar for my dentist appointment to like go and show up at the dentist? <laughs> and I think that's a fair point because we commonly do compare your experience with your doctor or your specialist, like a hair appointment or a dental appointment, which seem to be <laughs> handled in, in a way that like, I know when I leave my dentist, my next appointment is already scheduled for me. Yeah. Yeah. It's already scheduled. And so that's kind of what I was thinking is that they said, we'll see you in roughly a year or whatever the time was. Like, I get that you can't pick a date for me right now, but let me know when it is. Cause I thought that's what was going to happen, but that, that wasn't what was going to happen. I needed to go and take it to someone else to then send it back to then book a time. Like that right. doesn't make any sense to me. Right. I, I am unfamiliar with referrals expiring. <laughs> Interesting. But that's maybe not the word, but like we but my have to take guess, it back to the GP to send it back. So that that's an interesting piece is where is the dis so if if you were truly discharged from the specialist office, then the discharge report should be sent to your primary care provider to let them know that we've done this and please refer uh, Zach back in six months so we can have another look, blah, blah, blah. And maybe that's what would have happened, but still, but it you feels didn't like, know. Yeah. Like why, why is no one telling anyone what the hell is going on? Why is there no patient communication um, yeah. standards? Yeah. That's a good question. I mean, when, so when, so we are in the referral space, we are not possibly yet in the patient communication space. The right. patient communication space is much more littered with groups, companies doing some type of communication because yeah. of exactly what you're expressing. Everybody is not everybody is a primary care provider, not everybody is a specialist, but at some point in our life, we are all patients or we are supporting patients. Yeah. So we all understand that scope of the the journey so much better. It's so disjointed. There is no one provider for communication to patients. There is a, a kind of a mix mash of patient communication systems within systems. And you're absolutely right. There's no way to easily let patients know. Actually, that's, that's, that's not correct. There is ways to do this. We just, we have not adopted standards. We have not adopted even really policy policy around this. I don't know. I mean, yeah. And, and your your story isn't uncommon. No, I know. That's the <laughs> I know. crazy and this, part. This is an easy one. Like it's not even a it's not even a bad outcome. This is not it's tragic. Fine. It's yeah. it is it's okay. And yet it's inconvenient at at worst. That's yeah. it. Yeah. And it's not even really that inconvenient. Like we just had to make a couple phone calls. It just was like and it wasn't that stressful. I mean, the the sort of waiting around to know is Zach's eyes gonna of be course. okay. That's stressful. That's the stressful piece. Yeah. Um, um yeah. So, put, yeah, you know, in, in this case, this is a good outcome case. Yeah. Imagine being in what is potentially a very critical outcome case. Yeah. And you're having to manage your own communication and your own appointments and your own, essentially your own referrals. I don't know what to say. 
After I'm not that. looking for you to say anything. Like I'm not. I'm not looking for you to reassure me. I'm looking for content for the podcast. So what? I know. I know. Say. I know. I yeah. find myself a little bit stuck in between because I'm feeling yeah, bad no, for don't, you too. No, don't feel bad for me. Like I'm. This is. I'm using. Like this feels like something that I can talk about for the purposes yes, of the podcast. Yes, yes, like, yes. I'm not looking okay. for a therapy okay. session here at all, like, or sympathy. Honestly, like I don't need the sympathy. Like it's not. I'm like, not. Like it's fine. Like we're we're doing fine. He's doing fine. Which is good. Did we cover all the things that you wanted to talk about? Not really. This? Like I thought this was like, so there was this, so the Canadian healthcare network.ca or the, like the medical post that comes out, which I don't, I don't really get to subscribe to because it's like by physicians for physicians. But right. anyway, it, the September issue was all about referrals. It was like, like that was the, the, the cover art and everything. And so one of my colleagues had, had given it to me and there was this really interesting article about <laughs> referral etiquette guides. Oh yeah. Referral etiquette. Yeah. So okay. I was like, oh, oh. <laughs> Okay, so that's, that's interesting. Cool. Like, okay, so let's go through that. So I, I, it had some really interesting pieces. I was also very interested as to where does Clinect fall in encouraging some of this etiquette? Mm -hmm. So uh, like just naturally through a product, do we encourage some of this etiquette or not? So there was very specific etiquette for referring physicians and then for receiving physicians. So okay. it's like, the, yeah. so the, for referring physicians, so your primary care provider, the number one thing was give us a specific reason for the request. What do you want to know? So I thought that was pretty obvious, but okay. I having having worked, you know, in in uh, specialist offices and helping them out, you would think this is <laughs> obvious. Sometimes this does not like the patient referral does not actually come with a specific. Really? So it's just like, here's a scan and this is the well, patient it's information. It's more like, and... I have a really lovely elderly lady with this. Oh, okay. What would you like to know about that? And so right. then this actually gets to, there's another, there's another recommendation is your expectation. Is this re to request an assessment or advice? So kind yeah. of the idea of what question do you want answered with this? Yeah. So like almost phrasing the referral as a question, which I thought was really, really fascinating. Anyway, <laughs> number two was relevant patient history, patient concerns, medication, and exam findings. Once, it's a, once again, things that you would think would be, but not always. Accurate contact information was <laughs> okay, number three. That seems fairly right? obvious. Number four was patient age, gender, and any language barriers. So I thought okay. that was interesting. Anyway, and then number six was do not send unrelated medical information or the patient's complete history because I've seen some of those and they can be like 50 pages long. So right. yeah. That's funny. Right? And so then, okay, then for consulting physicians or sp specialists, uh, what did they say? If you accept the referral, let us know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? Decline or accept. Yeah. Oh, simple things, right? And then it was also, if you decline the referral, let us know. And also with that one, it was, please help us out by understanding why. So so once again, Clinic automates that etiquette, which I thought was, was yep. re really good communicating wait times. So just like you, like you had yeah, talked about yeah. the simple idea of how do we just got a phone call a letting us know that they accepted it. 
B, letting us know that maybe they didn't have an exact wait time, but just even an approximate, yeah, you know, you'll yeah. be getting a call in three months, Jonathan, don't worry, we got your referral, we'll be calling you. Ah, oh, hallelujah. Thank you very much. I can breathe easier and I don't need to think about this every day because you did talk about how this wasn't stressful. It wasn't a big deal. It wasn't hard to call, but my guess, and I'm, I, I, I don't know Julie very well, but oh, my nice. guess yes. is yes. every single day this came into her mind at some point or another. Yes. Yeah, for sure. And maybe yours too, but I, I know what it's like. <laughs> um, <laughs> He wasn't inside my body. <laughs> right? <laughs> There's something to be I said didn't there. grow him inside <laughs> of me. <laughs> yeah, right? And then the, the, other, uh, the other etiquette was like post-appointment or ongoing care, which is, yes, like that's, yeah, yeah. that's good, but that doesn't really have to do with referrals per se. So it was just so fascinating, this etiquette guide where I was like, yeah. So to answer my question that I had thought about before reading the article is, yes, Clinic certainly encourages <laughs> all the etiquette plus plus. <laughs> I feel like that can be part of the, like part of the marketing material is, is, you know, high class referral etiquette. <laughs> <laughs> Just like top notch referral etiquette. Yeah, we know the difference between Ooh. your dinner fork and your salad fork right. and the butter we knife and the steak all knife in the right and the place. Place. Oh yeah, it's all lined you. up properly and the napkins folded exactly right? how it should be. <laughs> folded into a swan for pizza. Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So I thought that was really kind of cute. I was like, yeah, I like oh, that. I mean, it, when I have seen referrals and I do understand why this etiquette exists, I, I would argue that this is bare minimum. <laughs> yeah, it feels like bare minimum. One of the, the other thing that like strikes me is, and I understand that this is between professionals, but it feels a little bit like the attitudes that I feel are imposed on patients too. Like, explain. Um, what do you mean by that? Well, so the, the the etiquette request to like, what is the ask? Like, when I go to the doctor's office and say I don't feel well, and they say, "What do you want me to do about it?" I don't know. I'm not the damn doctor in this relationship. You tell me what I should do about this. <laughs> this like, is I'm, why I came here. Yeah. What do I want? I want to feel better. I don't want to feel like this, obviously. Like, why Why do medical professionals, like, it feels like, like I need to have done all the research and understand everything. And they're not really here to help. They're just here to like, let's just tell me what you want me to do and I'll do it. Like, no, that's not what I'm looking for here. Right, right. <laughs> I'd, um, so that's an interesting thing because it actually in this in this exact same magazine article, there was this one written by a primary care provider that said, that talked about how she has all these patients that come in that are just like, just send a referral to so-and-so for me or to yeah. X special. So she, on the opposite side of that, Felt like she was just there as a, like, kind of a fax machine. Yeah. A referral sender. Like, yeah. this person didn't really want her investigation, but rather figured that they knew what they wanted. And just, and she was, she was like a stepping stone along that. Mm. So it's, I, I wonder if there is a bit of a mix of that where they have, you know, potentially so many people that are coming in going, I want ABC. And then when they have somebody like yourself that comes in that goes, I have this concern, 
I don't know. I'd like you to look into it. They're a bit like, well, do you like everybody else coming in here asking for a referral to blah, blah, blah. Is that I, what you I want I can't to? believe I that that is what most patients do is they come in and say, I need this, I need this, I need this. Because I don't think people are that, that um, <laughs> willing to put in that much work to understand anything. I think they've talked to their friends. Oh, yeah. Jesus. You have to re- Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to get into okay. the, you know, also the, the, the high frequency users of our mm. medical system versus the low frequency right. users of our medical system are probably more apt to say, I want X. My friend so-and-so had the exact same symptoms as me and they went to this. Yeah. I want to do the same thing, right? Chloroquine, please. <laughs> I just wanted to to mention this too. There was this there was this one doctor who did their masters in referrals, which I thought okay. was was really <laughs> right. And he did a whole article, <laughs> and he was asked, you know, about kind of what his 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 take was on all this, but also asked about like what is what does change need to look like? And he yeah, referred yeah. to the quadruple aim. Ooh. which is to improve the patient experience, number one. Okay. Improve the provider experience, support the population by decreasing wait times, and provide value for money. So I thought that was an interesting... That sounds exactly what Clinect is trying to do. The quadruple aim. Isn't that you... right? <laughs> uh... Yeah. <laughs> Maybe that's why I like this article so much. I think this. Uh, this yeah, it's just it's just it, stroking like, your ego a little bit. Like, right, exactly. Yeah. Confirmation bias. Thanks for listening to Fixing Faxes, building a digital health startup. I'm Jonathan Powers, and my co-host is Angela Hopke. Music by Andrew Codeman. Follow us on Twitter at Fixing Faxes. We would love for you to give us a review on Apple Podcasts. We've got eight so far. Let's get it up to ten. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening. Yeah, uh, Transistor added a added some features into their podcast okay. dashboard, and you yeah. can just press buttons, and they just get submitted to all the podcast hosts, including Apple Podcasts, which took me days to try and get done. And now you just hit a button, boom! It's done. Oh, beautiful! Yeah. yeah, beauty. Good work, Transistor. Yeah, good shout out to Justin Jackson and John Buddha at Transistor FM. Oh.